Welcome to today's March Ask the Experts call. Now, without any further delay, I'd like to introduce today's host, Matthew Martin with Align Technology. Matthew, you have the floor. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Simplify Invisalign Treatment with the ClinCheck List with Dr. Barry Glazer. You will earn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you will receive important instructions on how to attain your CE certificate at the conclusion of this presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor's site account. Please allow two to four weeks for CE hours to appear on your account. Please note you are able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you will have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if we are unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign Doctor site account. Where, you'll, where you may also access archived version of all previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It is my, now my distinct pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Dr. Barry Glazer. Dr. Barry Glazer received his DMD degree from the University of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine in 1988. After completing his general practice residency at Inglewood Hospital, he practiced general dentistry in New Jersey for one year before entering Boston University for specialty training in orthodontics. He earned his Certificate of Advanced Graduate Studies in Orthodontics from Boston University in 1992. He then joined the faculty of Albert Einstein College of Medicine and served as Associate Director of Orthodontics at Montefiore Medical Center in New York City from 1992 to 1995. He began his private orthodontic practice in 1994 and currently practices in Cortland Manor, New York. Dr. Glazer was an early adopter of both Invisalign Teen as well as iTero Digital Scanning and had extensive experience treating teens of all malocclusions. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Barry Glazer. Dr. Glazer, you now have the floor. Thanks for that introduction, Matt. And hello, everybody out there in computer land. We've got a lot of material, so we've got a little bit of housekeeping to take care of first. And if you've done these webinars before, you know this slide, and that I have to tell you that the statements, views, and opinions expressed in this program and related course material are mine. Align Technology may not endorse such statements, views, or opinions, and attendees are responsible for legal regulatory compliance of any marketing and referral programs, whatever that means. And you know about me already. There's a little bit of my bio, which uh, Matt handled nicely. So let's dive right in. And what I wanted to talk to you today for the next hour or hour and 15 minutes or so is what I call the CLIN checklist. And the CLIN checklist is designed to be a companion that you can use along with doing your CLIN check designs. And there's a few things that the CLIN checklist is, and there's a few things that it isn't. So what is the CLIN checklist? It's a systematic approach to CLIN check design. It's a step-by-step -step method. It'll help to reduce CLIN check revisions. And it should also help to increase the predictability of your Invisalign outcomes. What it is not, it is not a cookbook. It is customized for each patient individually as you would customize your ClinCheck. So I don't want you to feel like this is something that is any kind of system or cookbook like or anything like that, because it's not. So 
In the CLIN checklist, there are 10 critical parameters that we want to look at. The first two, which are crowding and spacing, are intra-arch problems. The second three parameters, which are vertical, transverse, and sagittal, are inter-arch problems. The next three, attachments, ITR, and staging, are what I call housekeeping items. And the last two, which we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about, over-treatment and over-correction, are what is termed either over-engineering or what I like to call prescription Invisalign treatment, and we'll spend some time uh, exploring that a little bit more in a few minutes. So let's take a little bit of a closer look at the CLIN checklist. I'm not going to spend uh, time on every one of these, um, but I wanted you to see it a little bit more up close before we use it on some actual patients. So the first two elements, the intra-arch intra problems, which are crowding and spacing. So when I think about how I'm going to resolve crowding on a patient, you know, there's only a limited number of ways of doing it, as you know. And when it comes to Invisalign treatment or orthodontic treatment in general, they're looking at either expansion, proclination, IPR, or extraction. So this uh, helps to quantify how much you want to do of each one of those in a patient. From an aesthetic standpoint, when we're resolving crowding, I want to pay attention to uh, negative space in patients, lip support, and certainly in adult patients, we're looking uh, to avoid or minimize or manage dark triangles. We're going to spend a few minutes talking about stability and whether uh, maintenance of lower intercanine width is something that you feel is important or not for stability. There is some evidence to, to state that it is. So uh, there's a tab here in our CLIN checklist where we can enter in whether we're going to maintain or expand intercanine width. And in those cases where we're going to expand, maybe think more about um, long-term fixed retention. Spacing. Same, it goes similar to crowding, there's only a certain number of ways to close spaces. We can close spaces bodily through tipping or retraction, and we want to make sure that we uh, prescribe the right uh, movements um, for a case that has spacing. We also want to remember tooth size discrepancies. Um, and in those cases, if we have, for example, small laterals, whether we want to prescribe lower IPR or whether we want to leave upper space. Then we get to the inter-arch problems, and I'm not going to dwell on this too long. I just wanted to kind of get a look and a feel for it because we do have some patients where we're going to look at this more in detail. But um, I've broken the inter-arch problems up into three planes of space, vertical, sagittal, and transverse. And uh, for example, let's just pick a couple of things here to look at. For example, in for vertical uh, dimension cases, if a patient has a deep overbite, we've got a, 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 a variety, oh, I'm sorry about that, variety of choices for correcting deep overbites. And this CLIN checklist lets you think a little bit more specifically about when a particular case, if you want anterior intrusion, whether you want it in the upper arch or lower arch and how much versus, let's say, posterior extrusion. So I think you get the idea. You can sort of look through this, and this, this talk will be archived, um, and you'll be able to access it next week, too, so you can go back and look at these a little bit more in detail. And I will uh, make every effort to get a copy of this CLIN checklist in Word form uh, available um, free to you as well. One thing I wanted to, we'll skip over sagittal for now, we'll talk about that in the few cases that I'm going to show you, but one thing I wanted to talk about in transverse, uh, in transverse dimension is, is this upper posterior BRT, and BRT stands for buccal root torque, 
And in cases where you prescribe, either prescribe posterior expansion or whether you do it yourself using ClinCheck Pro, you may notice that when you expand the arches using ClinCheck Pro, that the posterior teeth tend to tip out and it tends to make the buccal cusps um, relatively intrude and it tends to make the palatal cusps tend to hang down. So in cases where I'm prescribing uh, transverse expansion, I'm looking to see whether or not I'll, I'll need compensatory buccal root torque to make sure that the plane of occlusion and the, the, the palatal cusps are, are not um, being extruded. So that's what upper posterior BRT refers to. Housekeeping. Housekeeping issues are revolved around attachments, IPR, and staging. And when we talk about attachments, there are going to be times where I'm going to accept attachments pretty much the way they are as default. And there's other times where I'm going to want to change attachments to increase retention, or perhaps I want to make some substitutions. So this, this tab allows us to think through those issues. Now, as far as IPR and staging is concerned, in my office, I, my routine interval of seeing patients is once every three months. So when patients come in, we're typically handing them six sets of aligners. So if you come in for your first visit, you're going to get aligners one through six. That means unless, as long as everything's running well, I'm not going to see you again until aligner seven. Well, I want to make sure that I plan stuff. And what I mean by stuff is either IPR or the placement of new attachments at regular intervals. So when that patient comes in at aligner for no, aligner number seven, if an attachment has to go on or IPR has to be performed, I want to do it then. I, I hate when patients come in, we're ready to hand them, let's say, their next six sets of aligners, and then we realize we have to have them come back in two weeks because an attachment has to go on. And, you know, that can be inefficient. And, you know, we always want to be efficient with Invisalign to maximize profitability, and we want to be efficient for other reasons, too. So why have more visits than you need? So by looking through your, whatever your normal interval is, it doesn't have to be once every, uh, you know, every six sets of aligners, but whatever your normal interval for seeing patients is, that's when you should be performing your IPR and placing attachments so that you don't have to have a necessary appointment. So that's what I mean by housekeeping. And the same thing with staging. We want to perform IPR at certain stages um, and the same thing with new attachments. So that's housekeeping. And our last two uh, elements are going to be overtreatment and overcorrection. And uh, we, we want to make the distinction between overtreatment and overcorrection. Overtreatment are things that are happening, happening gradually throughout treatment. For example, in a patient with a deep bite, I will typically correct the deep bite in my ClinCheck to be open two millimeters more than what I what I really want, because in general, I find that my cases look deeper. If I just treat patients without over-engineering them, overbites tend to look about two millimeters deeper than what I want. So I will typically tell my technician to overcorrect the, excuse me, to overtreat the deep overbite by about two millimeters. So the things that I overtreat are deep bite um, by about two millimeters, tip 10 degrees, torque. 10 to 30 degrees, and depending on the case, and I'll show you a case where we had to go 30 degrees, and expansion. If we're doing posterior expansion, we'll up, I'll ask for one to two millimeters of overtreatment of the expansion. So overtreatment happens gradually throughout your ClinCheck versus overcorrection. Overcorrection are always represented by three aligners at the end of treatment that have a plus on them. And for overcorrection, the two things that I'm looking to overcorrect are my rotations by five degrees, 
in my ins and outs by two-tenths of a millimeter. And I will do that routinely. And that's uh, material that I have learned from uh, Bill Kotteman, who I'm sure most of you have seen speak. And uh, you know, Bill has his refinement rate down to about 10% by doing some of this over-engineering. And I follow his protocols, and it works great for me, too. All right, now, before we get into some cases, I wanted to spend a few minutes making an analogy between ClinCheck and, and, and braces. And I want to talk a little bit about pre-adjusted straight wire appliances. So when we think about pre-adjusted appliances, we you know, think about here's a Roth prescription with uh, torque. You, know, you can see the torque and tip values built into it. This is a Damon prescription. You know, 15, like, for example, here's got 15 degrees of uh, palatal root torque built into the prescription. And you know, over the years, these prescriptions have been perfected to make up for slack in the system. You, know, you may not necessarily want 15 degrees of, of torque in your upper incisors, but it is built into your appliances. Now, when you think about ClinCheck, at least today, in 2015, in my mind, and this is how I want you to think about it too, my feeling is that at this point, ClinCheck is more like standard edgewise where the initial ClinCheck comes back without those over-engineering elements, tip and torque, built into them. So just like standard edgewise, ClinCheck is operator-controlled, where tip, torque, ins and outs, in other words, first, second, and third order bends, are determined by the orthodontist. And, it, and, and most of us had at least some training in standard edgewise. It's, it's incumbent upon the operator in standard edgewise to put all those adjustment bends, whether it's tip or torque and ins and outs, compensatory bends, into the arch wire. And I want you to think of ClinCheck the same way. And I know there's some frustration. Very often I hear doctors say, you know, I don't understand why the case doesn't look like the ClinCheck. And you know, very often finished cases will look somewhat undertreated in, in, in relation to the ClinCheck. So my feeling is if you think of ClinCheck as standard edgewise and build in that Roth prescription or that MBT prescription or, or whatever prescription you like into your ClinCheck, you are then going to get a result that's going to be more, more what you want. And just like you do with, with pre-adjusted appliances. Like for example, you may not want 15 degrees of, of torque on your upper incisors, but we do know that there is slack in the system, that there's play between the arch wire um, and slot. So just like straight wire appliances, Extra tip, torque, and vertical correction must be built into every ClinCheck plan to account for slack in the system. So I hope that makes sense, and I hope it will make you feel a little bit better about going ahead and being proactive and being maybe a little bit more aggressive about building some over-engineering into your ClinCheck. All right, so let's get back to the ClinCheck list, and let's talk a little bit about crowding. Now, now clearly, orthodontists are adept at resolving crowding, and we all realize that there's only a certain number of ways to resolve it and that's expansion, proclination, IPR, and extraction. We're not going to spend time, just don't have enough time today to talk about extraction. But we also know that there are implications and that you know, each case gets, not every case gets the same amount of expansion or proclination because there are implications. There are periodontal implications, aesthetic, functional, and there are also implications as far as long-term stability. And this is the um, part of our session where we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at some of the evidence. And I think evidence-based dentistry is a good place to be. Um, I like to look at research and try to base my treatment protocols on, on the literature. And the literature is very, you know, 
you can find evidence for almost everything, but when it comes to long-term stability, it's one of the areas that I feel is pretty well hashed out in the literature. And I direct you to a paper written by Burke and Associates in the Angle Orthodontist in 1997. And that paper was a meta-analysis of mandibular intercanine width and treatment and post-retention. So meta-analysis, they basically took 26 studies and combined those 26 studies into a meta-analysis to come up with a, a real solid conclusion. And in a nutshell, the authors found that regardless of treatment modality, if the mandibular intercanine width is expanded during treatment, it will con contract post-retention and return to the post-treatment dimension. Now, you know, we're all familiar with the little studies, and we know that relapse is an issue in you know, two-thirds of our patients, regardless of treatment modality. My feeling is, uh, though, why, why not look for trouble? And if we routinely are expanding the intercanine width and not thinking about fixed long-term retention, we're probably going to be inviting, at least the literature says, we're going to be inviting more, more relapse as the intercanine width contracts. And I think it's one of the beauties of ClinCheck in that we can really dial in our intercanine with pre and post treatment and try to keep it um, from, keep from expanding it. So with that in mind, let's uh, look at the ClinCheck list in action, and let's meet Gilbert. Now Gilbert is a 31-year-old male. He's class one. He's got a normal overbite and a normal overjet. He has moderate to severe upper and lower crowding. And we'll spend some time looking at his labially displaced upper laterals. Lower right three is partially blocked out of the arch, and he has a normal profile. So here's Gilbert. Now, I do want you to do one thing for me uh, this, this afternoon, or morning, depending what uh, time zone you're in. Um, and that's to suspend the treatment plan aspect of this. Excuse me. Ex yeah. Expend, ex let me try that again. Suspend your treatment planning mind. And what I mean by that is that I treated Gilbert non-extraction. Now, I know what happens. We sit in meetings, and you elbow your friend, and you go, oh, you know, I wouldn't have treated it that way, or I would have taken out an incisor. And it, clearly, there's a lot of ways we could treat Gilbert. But I want you to forget about that for now. And I want you to take a look at the level of control that I was able to obtain treating him with Invisalign by using the Clin checklist. His pan is non-contributory, and his uh, ceph is also non-contributory. Okay, so here's the clin checklist. So space analysis. So the space analysis is really saying, how do I want to resolve this patient's crowding? Now, in Gilbert's case, I'm looking for a combination of things. I'm looking for a combination of expansion. And when I refer to expansion, I'm talking about expansion, distal to, buccal expansion distal to the canines. He can benefit, at least in the lower interiors, from proclination. And we're going to make up the difference with ITR. Now, that's how I'm doing it. Now, you, you have to decide for yourself how you would treat a patient like Gilbert. And you may decide that you want to make, do, for example, more ITR or more expansion. And you know, I don't know if there's a, you know, there's a cookbook for that. But the Clin checklist will help you to sort of determine how much you want to do of each. We definitely want to improve his negative space. He has inward-leaning posterior teeth. Now, I still want to maintain his intracanine width because I'm still looking to try to increase the chances for long-term stability. So let's see if that's possible. Now, posterior expansion, by the way, has been shown in the literature to be more stable. 
uh, on average one to two millimeters per side, so you know two to three millimeters in total of, of buccal expansion seems to be more stable long-term than intracanine expansion. So why not bias our case to expanding posteriorly, making up the difference with a judicious amount of proclination and IPR? So that was my thinking on, on Gilbert's case. Well, he's not, he doesn't have any spacing, so we can skip over that in the clin checklist. Now, vertical dimension. He doesn't really have a significant deep or open bite. However, there's a few things I want to look at. In particular, I want to look at his incisal display. Gilbert's incisal display is normal, but I do want to improve his smile arc. So I want to improve his smile arc in this case by the extrusion of the upper right and upper left lateral incisors. Now, thankfully in this case, the extrusion that he needs for the most part is relative extrusion. And as you know, relative extrusion is a, is a relatively, pardon the pun, um, predictable movement. Uh, these upper lateral incisors need to be tipped down and back, and that movement will happen predictably. He does not need a significant amount of absolute extrusion, and that makes me feel comfortable that this will be predictable. But by gaining relative extrusion of his upper lateral incisors, we're also going to improve his smile arc. He's class one, so we can skip over the sagittal page. In the transverse dimension, we are looking for some dental expansion in the posterior segments, but he does not need buccal root torque in the posterior because he has lingually inclined upper posterior teeth to begin with. So in this case, as the posterior teeth expand, they're simply uprighting, so he does not need to have them uh, any buccal root torque. Attachments. Now, this is one of those cases, let me just go back for a second here. This is one of those cases where, for the most part, I accepted the default attachments. Um, we had optimized extrusion attachments on the laterals, you know, I, I, which are going to help, although most of the movement is relative. So there wasn't a lot of change that I had to make in the attachments. IPR. Now, this is, this is a case where I prefer to do anterior IPR, but I also prefer to do some round tripping. And my feeling is that by doing round tripping, it gains better access to do more judicious and conservative IPR. Now, if you ask your technicians to do that, what will very often happen, let's say in a case like Gilbert's, is you may have 15 or 20 stages of lower incisor proclination until the IPR begins. And that's a lot of proclination, and it you know, brings up periodontal issues. So what I will do is I will look at the ClinCheck, and I will see what stage I'm comfortable getting in there with, with a disc. So like in, in, in Gilbert's case, for example, by stage 13, even though the lower incisors weren't perfectly aligned, that's when I began to do my IPR. So my instructions to my technician were, please procline the lower incisors until stage 13 and then perform IPR. That way we don't um, invite uh, the potential for uh, fenestration. Um, this is my typical default. I'm comfortable with about 0.4, 0.45 at the most uh, IPR in the upper anteriors and 3 tenths of a millimeter in the lower anteriors. But if I get beyond that, I'm starting to be concerned about ledging. Again, I think you have to make your own decisions on the, on the amounts, but that's the place where you would enter that in on the clean checklist. Now, staging. This is one of our housekeeping issues. Since Gilbert will be coming to see us every three months, he'll be coming at to get aligners 7, then 13, then 19. He'll be getting his aligners in batches of 6. 
So I want to make sure that the IPR is being performed at those stages when we're seeing Gilbert for his routine visits. And the same thing, if any new attachments go on, let's them have them go on when he's in for a regular office visit. And as you can see by the staging, this is something that I figured out after Gilbert's treatment. Now, over treatment. This is also something that I did not do in Gilbert's case, but I learned after the fact. If you look at the position of the lower right canine, it is clearly tipped very forward, uh, very measly forward. And if I had to treat him again, I would have asked the technician to give me an additional 10 degrees of distal tip on the up, uh, lower right canine. It wasn't done here, but I would do that now. And also give me some extra expansion. And in particular with um, SmartTrack, I uh, will ask for a little bit more expansion than I really want, assuming that the aligners will not give me, will not fully express. Overcorrection, now this is done routinely in all cases. Um, we want to overcorrect all rotations by five degrees. In this case, it's on the lower ones. And we want to overcorrect all the ins and outs by two-tenths of a millimeter. So the labially positioned upper lateral incisors will overcorrect two-tenths of a millimeter palatal. And there you go. So let's take a look at his ClinCheck for real. I don't imagine most of you have downloaded ClinCheck Pro. Um, and if you haven't, I find it to be a great tool to uh, make the last little adjustments and tweaks. All right, so here's Gilbert's ClinCheck. One thing I like to do is I don't often use this, uh, you know, the forward button and play it through like this. What I'll typically do is either just toggle before and after. I think that gives me a nice feel for the case. Or I'll grab, grab the slider. And I'll just slide back and forth to get a feel for the movements. So you can see that there's, there's the relative extrusion of the upper lateral incisors. If I had to do this again, I would grab the lower right three with ClinCheck Pro and prescribe in another 10 degrees of distal crown tip for some over-treatment. And I would prescribe, which you don't see here, I would prescribe the overcorrection. So I would say to my technician, for example, please overcorrect the rotation of the lower left one five degrees mesial out. And in this case, it would be please overcorrect rotation of lower right one five degrees mesial in. And that, that terminology is something that your technicians will understand. So there's this ClinCheck. So let's see how we did. Here's his before. And so here's Gilbert in 25 months. Case turned out well. Um, maintain the intercanine width. So maintain the arch form. And that's something that you can measure on your ClinChecks. So we were able to do this. I mean, he happened to have somewhat collapsed arches in. So by uprighting uh, some judicious proclination, 
you see not too much of the lower interiors, we were able to align the arches non-extraction. Again, I, I think my alternative treatment plan in this case was taking out the lower incisor. I think that case it would have worked out as well that way. But as you can see, we were able to couple the incisors, get the laterals into good, good position, and I do think that the Clin checklist helps me to think these cases through. And that's what his um, predicted, his ClinCheck predicted. And I think we got pretty close. Um, his final pan looks good. I'll show you a little a morph here between his before and after. And you know, certainly he was non-growing, so we weren't expecting any growth. We see a three degree three degree change <laughs> in his uh, lower incisor position. You know, his mandibular plane angle wasn't changed. And typically, a vertical control with Invisalign is something that you, you get really nicely. We don't typically rotate mandibles down and back. Uh, here's Gilbert at 15 months, and he's still holding up well. Total treatment time is 25 months, two refinements, and he's in Vivera retainers. All right, so that's, that's a quick overview of crowding. So let's talk a little bit about spacing. So again, only a certain number of ways that we can close spaces. We can close spaces bodily. And in those cases with Invisalign, we were closing spaces bodily. I'm always thinking about vert, uh, vertical attachments or if you get the optimized root control attachments to maintain the position of the roots. And I'm also thinking about virtual gable bends where we want to get additional root movement. You know, the ideal thing to do in a case where patients are spaced and they need bodily movement is to get the apices moved first. So you want to sort of get a root tip movement first and then close the space coronally. So that's what you have to think about. You have to think about root control in bodily movement versus tipping where you don't need any gable bends or attachments. Simple tipping is, a, is an easy movement for, for Invisalign. The third way to close space is by retraction. And um, in, in cases where we have incisor retraction, um, just by closing the, the radius as we close teeth and retract them, we can close up space. Tooth size discrepancies. I think it's a big bugaboo, and I know the question comes up all the time about posterior open bites and Invisalign. My personal feeling is that there's more posterior open bites that are being caused by loss of upper incisor torque than from what people think, which is inadvertent posterior intrusion. And um, I'll illustrate this in, in, a, in a few minutes in the case. But for patients with tooth size discrepancies, it's very nice to be able to work that out in the ClinCheck if you have small upper laterals, for argument's sake, how do you want to handle that? Do you want to maintain space for bonding? Do you want to leave space in the upper arch? Or do you want to do lower IPR? And I do think there's a big relationship between tooth size discrepancies that are maybe undiagnosed and um, posterior open bites. In, in the latest version of ClinCheck Pro, you have a Bolton analysis on every case. So that's something that, uh, that I look at in every case, too. And even from a practice management standpoint, I think it's nice to have a conversation with a patient before you treat them, where you say, look, you've got small laterals. We can either, you know, you can give them the options, close the space or leave space in the, in the posterior or do IPR or set you up for bonding. But it's very nice to have that conversation pre-treatment. I find it much more awkward if it's 18 or 24 months into treatment and now you have to sit down with the patient and say, listen, we, we have to send you to your dentist for bonding. And patients sometimes feel like you're making an excuse. So one of the beauties of, of setting these cases up with ClinCheck is you, you see those things obviously before you've treated the patient, and it's a nice opportunity to communicate those issues to the patient and let them decide you know, how they want to handle it. So a case like this, 
is a slam dunk with Invisalign. No attachments needed. It's simple tipping. You can treat this patient with a rubber band and, and close up the space. So on the Clin checklist, when you go to your spacing tab, you're just basically going to, you know, confirm to yourself that it's simple tipping and not worry about it too much. You know, and this is what your Clin check would look like. You know, that movement is super, super predictable. And that's, you know, in reality what we, we achieved for this patient. Versus this patient. Now, this patient presents with a variety of challenges. In particular, she is congenitally missing her upper left lateral incisor, and our treatment plan is to open up a space for an implant. So here's her pre-treatment pan. Now, we're not going to spend any time looking at the peg lateral on the right side, but there's not much space on the upper left. So we've got to get that canine distalized and open up a space for implant preparation. So in that case, we are looking for over-treatment, and this is another time when you're going to look for over-engineering. And we want to over-treat the distal tip of that upper left canine by 30 degrees. And this is what it looks like. And that would be my instructions to the technician. Please over-treat distal root tip, upper left three, by 30 degrees. Why? Because, and this would be the same, quite frankly, if the patient were being treated with braces. If I'm treating this patient with braces, I would cheat the bracket position to give myself some extra distal root tip. Well, it's the same thing with Invisalign as it is with braces. There is some play in the system, and these and Invisalign can underperform. So if you have a ClinCheck that looks has that canine straight up and down, chances are it will be some it will still be tipped, and the, the root will still be mesial. Why 30 degrees? It's somewhat it's somewhat arbitrary, but in a case like this, I think for sure when we're looking to not only get the canine upright but maybe bias it a little bit distally. 20 to 30 degrees is, is a reasonable amount to ask your um, technician to do. And you obviously monitor the case. If it looks like the tooth is tipping too much, that would be a good time for a mid-course correction. And I do have to say that these optimized um, root control attachments, they work really well. And I know they look small, but if you put them on there nicely and, and you know, have them nice and crisp, I have been seeing very, very nice control of root position. So here's the patient uh, pre-treatment. Here she is at a year. And here she is 20 months into treatment. And so you can see, based on the ClinCheck, that the root is not tipped distally 30 degrees, but is in relatively good position. So if you over-engineer your root tip, you can move roots. You know, in this case, I think sort of, you know, it shows that. You can move roots with Invisalign. Just make sure that you ask for more than you need. Hope that makes sense. So let's put everything all together. And let's meet Kyle. I treat a lot of teens, so we're going to spend some time talking about some teen treatment, too. Kyle is 12 and a half. And by the way, if you don't treat teens, you should, because they are my best patients. I know, and, you know, there's a concern that not, they're not going to be compliant, and I know parents would say that, too. But I have to say that my, my teen patients in particular, the high school kids, they're the best. And they're very motivated to wear their aligners, and their teeth track really well, and it is my favorite part of my practice. So there you go. Kyle is uh, class two division one. He has protrusive and spaced upper incisors, mild lower crowding with a deep impinging overbite and a large overjet and a convex profile. So here's Kyle. So if Kyle walked into your office, yeah, would he be an Invisalign candidate? Well, I'm here to say that he's a great Invisalign candidate. He's a nice kid, he's motivated, and there's some things about his clinical presentation that actually are in our favor. And we'll spend some time talking about that right now.
his pan, well, after I show you his pan. His pan is non-contributory. Skeletally, you know, the typical, typical skeletal pattern for you know, a teen class two division one, somewhat of some degree of mandibular retrognosism. Um, lower incisors are normal, INTA is 90, and he's clearly got super erupted and protrusive upper anteriors. So how do we want to close Kyle's spacing? Well, we want to close his spacing via retraction. He needs incisor retraction. So that's, and again, very predictable with Invisalign, by the way. It would be like a C chain. And my, so my instructions are relatively simple to my technician. Please retract the upper anterior teeth while maintaining the initial torque. And I'll show you that on his ClinCheck. From a vertical standpoint, he's got a deep impinging overbite. So we want to reduce his incisal display slightly because he is uh, slightly super erupted in his upper anterior teeth. But he, we do not want to bury his upper incisors. And I do find in general that ClinCheck can be biased towards over intrusion of the upper incisors and you can you know, make your patients look a little bit like Dracula. So watch those ClinCheck's. And, and again, in a case like Kyle's, really his deep overbite, most of his deep overbite is due to an excessive lower curve of speed. So in this case, my instructions would be, please correct the deep, deep overbite with anterior intrusion, 20% in the upper arch, 80% in the lower arch. And that 80% in the lower arch is really the uh, flattening of the lower curve of speed. So I think that's a nice thing about the ClinCheck list is that you can, you can specify these things in, in detail to your technician and not just say, you know, please correct the deep overbite. So you can be really, you, you're really in control of your ClinCheck's. Um, this is the case because he is class two. We're going to ask for a class two elastic jump. Um, I don't, I'm not going to be able to spend a lot of time on class two elastic treatment, but um, I do have some other uh, seminars and things that are archived if you want to learn more about that. Now, substitutions. This is a case where you may get back the, the dreaded paragraph after you ask for, let's say, precision cuts. And it says, dear doctor, we couldn't give you the precision cuts because it interferes with an optimized attachment. Well, this is one of those situations where I want a precision cut on this upper canine because I'm going to be running a class to elastic. So it's a case where I'm going to just go ahead and trash that optimized attachment and substitute it with another attachment that I think will, will do the job. For the most part, those attachments really just need to be retentive to keep the, uh, to keep the aligners from popping off during the class to elastic wear. Now, that's going to be less of a problem with the latest version of ClinCheck, where you will more often be getting um, an alternative type of attachment. So you'll see, you should see that paragraph less. You'll see um, there's some new attachments that will appear that will allow the, an optimized attachment to exist on the same tooth as a precision cut. So that's getting better and better. So hopefully you won't have to deal with that as much in the future. Um, and again, like we've said before, we want to perform, whoops, sorry, we want to perform ITR and attachment staging. Um, we want to check our ITR and attachment staging on every case to avoid unnecessary additional appointments. Not the end of the world, but we do want to be efficient, and we, we and patients appreciate that too. Now, deep bite. He started with a deep impinging bite. I want his final ClinCheck to show a slight open bite. And the analogy here would be, let's say you were to treat this patient with braces and you placed upper and lower reverse curve arch wires. But clearly you don't want the arches to ultimately look like the reverse curve arch wires, but you're putting in an over-engineered 
reverse curve arch wire because you know it won't fully perform. So we do the same thing with our ClinChecks. We sort of, and, and if you think of a, of a recurve, you could do the same thing in your ClinChecks to try to get your bike corrected to the proper to the proper vertical dimension. And we want to also overtreat the upper incisor torque by 30 degrees. Now let's take a look at his routine overcorrections. Nothing exciting here. But I want to get to his ClinCheck because I want to talk about that upper interior torque and why it works in our favor. You know, you may look at this case first and think, oh, you know, it's not an Invisalign case. But what, what Kyle has built into his case is built-in over-engineering. And what I mean by that is if you look at the initial torque on his upper incisors and you look at the way I've managed it as I'm retracting, my instructions are please retract the upper incisors while maintaining the initial torque. And you can see where he finishes. I did not allow the upper incisors to tip in at all. Now, you can look at this ClinCheck and say, you know, that looks like a crazy-looking ClinCheck. He doesn't have anterior contact. He's got way too much torque. But remember the analogy of the pre-adjusted appliances, and if that you've got full expression on your Damon prescription, if you could get full expression, this is probably what the teeth would look like. So we prescribe this in our ClinChecks knowing we're not going to get it. We know that we're going to underperform. So if you, could, if you can take your smartphone out and take a picture of this, I'll give you a second to do that if you want. Um, or just wait for next week for the, the, the talk to be archived. Um, this is what routinely what my ClinChecks will look like. They'll be over-engineered, 20 to 30 degrees of additional palatal root torque, if the patient starts out with a deep overbite, we're going to get at least one to two millimeters of overtreatment of the deep overbite, knowing that in reality he's going to look deeper. So this would be a good prototype for what your ClinCheck should look like. Now, it brings up the issue if you show this to a patient, sometimes there's an issue with that. But um, I generally don't show my patients ClinCheck, so that solves that problem. <laughs> But I still do think that this is the way they should look, and otherwise you're going to wind up losing uh, upper incisor angulation and have all kinds of problems, in particular posterior open bites. All right, so that's Kyle. So now let's see what happens. So here he is at refinement. Here he is at one-year treatment. Now clearly we're, we've made a lot of progress. We, our sagittal correction looks good. The deep overbite's looking better. It's still not there. Lower, low, lower arch is, is flattening, not completely flattened. But the interesting point here is despite all that over-engineering, I still lost some anterior torque. And that's why he has a posterior open bite. This posterior open bite is not due to inadvertent intrusion of his back teeth. It's due to prematurity, occlusal prematurities in, in the upper front teeth uh, because we lost upper incisor torque. So the lesson to learn is that as over-engineered as that ClinCheck looked, you can do it even more. So maybe 40 degrees would have been a better number. So, but, but nevertheless, at one year in treatment, his bite's opening well, and you know, we're to the point where in refinement we can, we can get this finished up. Uh, root position on, at progress still looks good. Um, patients grow, and, and mandibular growth is a, is a wonderful thing. So we had predictable mandibular growth for a pubertal patient. We also achieved some relatively nice uh, intrusion and retraction of the upper anteriors. You know, you know, torque doesn't really look too bad. 
but uh, could have asked for just a little bit more over engineering. So Kyle comes in for refinement, and that's what we do in his refinement clint check. You should, you should by now you should know what's gonna what this is gonna look like. Please give me additional PRT, parallel root torque. And we're you know, getting some just sort of routine settling of the posterior. And we'll continue to intrude and retract. Now you may say to yourself, well, you know, why doesn't Align Technology just give us this stuff? If, if this is the way that aligners really behave, why don't they do it for us? And I don't have a great answer for that. I think eventually, you know, as time goes on, I think that this, you, you, there may, may be a time where we can, you know, get prescription treatments uh, built into our ClinCheck. I just don't think it's there yet. So um, for this point, just keep in mind the standard edgewise analogy that for now, um, uh, I see some notes here. Anybody else having an audio problem? You'll let me know if there is, um, or if it's just that one attendee. Um, for now, build it in as you would with a standard edgewise case, um, and you can get these cases treated really nicely. So right now, you know, he's not done. If you invite me back next year to do another webinar, I'll show you his finished case. But I wanted to give you an idea of how you manage these, these cases and to not necessarily go straight to posterior elastics. Always look at your anterior torque and your anterior occlusion um, and look to that first for when you're managing posterior open bites. We are doing fantastic on, on time. Tim is our last case. So we're doing great, and we will have time to finish up and have time for, for Q&A. So here's Tim. Um, you can tell when he started treatment based on the Bieber haircut a couple of years ago. He's a great, not, not a great kid. You know, and, and again, I, I will say it again, you know, teenage patients have a bad rap. You know, we, everyone assumes that they're not going to be compliant, but you, you have, we, most of them are, and most of them are really nice kids. And if you sort of cherry pick your, your teen patients, you know, the, the kids that are doing well in school and, you know, the, the kids who are Eagle Scouts and that kind of thing, you, you can do really great treatment with Invisalign teen. So he's 12 and a half. Class one, moderate upper crowding, mild lower crowding. Let's take, we'll spend some time looking at his palatally displaced upper laterals with a normal profile. And again, you may look at that case and say, wow, you know, that those, those laterals are going to be impossible. And, you know, I need to, not, not an Invisalign case. Now, I look at those laterals and think, okay, that maybe that's a case where I might, like, for argument's sake, flip my brackets upside down, knowing that as I'm going to bring those uh, laterals forward, I'm going to tend to lose torque. So we can do the same thing with, um, with Invisalign, the analogous thing. Nothing exciting here or here. So. Let's look at um, Tim's clin checklist. So space analysis. How do I want to resolve his crowding? Well, I want to resolve his crowding through expansion and proclination. Um, let's go back here for a second. Okay, expansion. Well, Tim's case is a natural. 
because he's got sort of he's got a unilateral dental crossbite on his right side. So we need to just by gaining normal arch symmetry, we're also going to gain space to align, align his laterals. Uh, small amount of proclination of the upper centrals, in addition, gives us all the room we need to uh, create space to for lateral alignment. Uh, negative space on his upper right side as well. So we want to improve that by uh, posterior expansion on the right side. Want to maintain his lower intercanine width, and that's a, you know sort of a routine thing for stability. Now posterior expansion, clearly he needs posterior expansion. He's going to need more in the maxilla than the mandible. And mandibular arch is relatively well formed. Your technician creates space for alignment of upper right two and upper left two with posterior expansion and labial movement of upper right one and upper left one. Rotate the upper right six mesial out simultaneously with expansion. And that's, again, you can, he needs it. And that movement is a natural. That tooth is, you can, your liner is going to push against the lingual surface and it's going to rotate out into better, into better alignment while we're improving the arch form. Um, he's not spaced, so that we can skip over that. He doesn't have a vertical dimension issue, so we can skip over that as well. Nor does he have a sagittal, so you just, just skip over them. He needs dental expansion. Dental expansion is more predictable in his case since the upper right seven is not in crossbite. And you'll see uh, on his ClinCheck, his upper right seven and his upper right three are not in crossbite. Those cases are very predictable for expansion. And it's almost like a bow and arrow effect. And you have two anchor points. You have the canine and you have the second molar. And these cases treat out well. Not so easy if this, it wouldn't be so easy if that upper right seven were in crossbite. And those are cases where you know, I, it depends on how bad it is, but if it's really bad, I probably would be thinking about pre-invisalign palatal expansion versus trying to get that with the aligners. But in a case like this, it, it is not one to worry about. It works very, very predictably. Optimized attachments work fine. He got optimized extrusion, extrusion attachments on the upper right two and the upper left two. Why? We want to prevent relative intrusion during labial movement. And I, I think you, you can all see that. If we just allowed these teeth to tip forward, we would wind up with an incisal edge that was way too incisal. And the teeth would tip forward and they would relatively intrude. So as the upper laterals are coming forward, we need to have compensatory extrusion and we need to have compensatory buccal root torque. Doesn't need any IPR. The expansion gives us all the arch length that we need. Routine staging, like every other case, he doesn't need IPR, so we skip that over. But any new attachments are going to go on on my routine visits to save uh, appointments and be efficient. Torque. Please over treat the root torque of the upper, the buckle root torque of the upper right two and the upper left two by 25 degrees. And let's overdo our expansion by two to three millimeters. Overtreat it. Dear technician, please move the upper right two and the upper left two labial while applying 25 degrees labial root torque to prevent tipping. And I try to keep my, my these, these, these are typically how I'll write my instructions. I'll try to make them bullet points, not paragraphs. 
Um, I will number them so if the technician does miss one, we can always go back and say, listen, you forgot to do number three, please reread those instructions and, and do that on the next version of the ClinCheck. So numbering is nice, just keeps things organized. Routine overcorrection of rotations and ins and outs. Every case. I don't use the overcorrection aligners in every case. If the patient is a slam dunk and doesn't need them, we don't use them. However, I don't throw overcorrection aligners away. We give them to the patient. And to me, they are the world's best emergency retainers. In particular, if you know Johnny hasn't worn his retainers for a few weeks and things have started to shift, it's nice to be able to pop in an overcorrected um, uh, an aligner. So it's a great thing to give patients, tell them to hang on to them. If you lose your retainer, pop your over, one of your overcorrection aligners in and give us a call. You can keep them in the office too. I think it's better just to give it to the patient because it becomes a little bit of a nightmare trying to keep everything you know, in storage could, could become an issue. Okay, here's Tim's ClinCheck. Just illustrate the things that we just talked about. Please move the upper right two and upper left two forward while giving us compensatory, you can really see, I think a better illustration is right here, compensatory and additional buckle root torque to prevent tipping. Now, I can tell you, I'll show, show you Tim's finished case, I can tell you that I did two refinements and most of it was because I did not overdo this enough. You know, if you, if you put, if you use ClinCheck Pro, which I can't show you because it's not a live ClinCheck, but if you use ClinCheck Pro and you put in 20 or 30 degrees of additional buckle root torque, you'll see the virtual roots start to, you know, fenestrate through the virtual gums, you know, and it can freak people out. But it's, you know, obviously that doesn't happen, but you can really overdo these, um, you can really overdo it. And you see, I was probably good in reality up to about here, and then the last little bit, it's really more tipping forward. And if I had to redo his case, I would have, wouldn't have allowed that last bit of movement to be tipping. I would have asked for some more um, buckle root torque. And you can see it here too. You can see even in the finished clincheck that we don't really have as much as we need here. So this is a nice view, and you know, don't be you know, don't be afraid to zoom up. A uh, tip from Gary Brigham, a fantastic orthodontist who practices in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. His tip is when you do your clin checks, do it on the biggest monitor you can fit on your wall. So if you can fit a 60-inch flat screen, that's how you should do your clin checks because the bigger you make them, the more you can see. So, you know, don't be afraid to really zoom up on these. You know, and, and then had I done that, I probably would have seen that that tooth does need more, more buckle root torque than it has. So here's Tim at the beginning, 22, 22 months later and two refinements later, here we are. Now we did ultimately achieve what I think is a good result. I think aesthetically, I think the gingival margins look good and the root position uh, is good. So you can do this with Invisalign if you just think it through, take your time and, and monitor the cases. Here's Tim at one year. I think he's still holding up well. So, you know, we want to do our treatment not only for you know good short-term results, but we're trying to look for good long-term stability as well, obviously. And that's what we predicted in the ClinCheck. Position looks good. 22 months of treatment time. Two refinements, and he's in Avera retainers.
So, it always amazes me how quickly that hour goes by. So in conclusion, my suggestion is to use the ClinCheck on every case. Just print out a copy of it and tape it up next to your computer or wherever you, wherever you do your ClinCheck's. And at least at the beginning, go through it step by step. It just helps to it helps you to prevent uh, missing things and making errors. And I think you're, you'll find that your clean checks will come back more complete, and you'll have less things to do. And you forget. I mean, we all do that. You know, especially if you do clean checks, let's say in between patients, it's very easy to miss stuff. So by using the checklist, it's just another way of, of checking up on yourself to make sure that you're thorough on every 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 clean check. Modify it. You know, this, this, these are the parameters that I use. I mean, it, it, it varies from, from where you practice and where you went to school. So I think you, you modify it as you see fit to add or, or eliminate things that aren't pertinent in your treatment philosophy. Um, it'll help to re reduce revisions, and I do think it helps to uh, increase predictability. So that's an appetizer, and there's a lot to talk about, but we only have an hour. Um, if you want to learn more about the CLIN checklist and my philosophy uh, of setting these cases up, um, you can check your local listings for a CT2 course near you. Um, I have a few coming up, so if you happen to be lucky enough to live in Nashville or Tampa, I will be uh, in Nashville on June 12th, and I will be in Tampa on June 19th uh, for a CT2 course where we spend a whole day um, devoted to um, to looking at cases um, and, and really spending more time diving deep into the deep end of the CLIN checklist pool. Um, for the second half of the year, that schedule is not out yet. It should be coming out relatively soon, though, for, for CT, uh, CT2 courses that I'll be giving um, in the third and fourth quarter. Um, and then you have to get your uh, CE credit. So why don't we turn everything back over to Matt here to get, so you can get information on how to get your credit. Thank you, Dr. Glazer, for the great presentation. I want to cover one quick thing that's very important in order to receive your CE certificate for this program. Currently on the screen right now, there's a link to take a quick survey. Once you complete your survey, you will have immediate access to your CE certificate, so please go there after the completion of the program. If you've experienced any problems with viewing any of the presentation, the archive program will be available one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign Doctor Site account. I want to thank Dr. Glazer again for such a great presentation and for all of you for taking the time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert web webinar. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Matthew. I want to thank Dr. Glazer and Matthew for presenting today's material and you for attending today's presentation. This does conclude our session. You may now disconnect.